Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. So that's what we need to continue to foster, is for kids to get the most out of their experience in character development and in life, on the field and off the field. That is the good and bad of it. When the pendulum swings too far to the professionalization, the structured play, where there's good and the benefits that come come with that, it means we leave the free play behind and there are a ton of benefits there for each kid. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Jason Clement, co-founder and CEO of Sports Facilities Companies, the largest single network of tournament and community-based sports facilities in the U.S. Formerly trained and licensed as an architect, Jason began his career in sports architecture before founding SFC in 2003. Motivated to serve communities focused on the youth and amateur sports industry, Jason and I discussed the growth of youth sports over the last two decades, the vital need to help prevent kids who can't afford to play from falling behind, and how sports tourism impacts local communities. Man, I'm really excited. I got another awesome guest. Very, very excited to learn a lot about him, a lot about his company, uh, but super pumped to have him, the co-founder of the sports facilities companies, Jason Clement. Jason, thanks so much for hopping on, bro. Nick, great to be with you. And thanks for all you're doing through this medium. I appreciate it, man. And I really want to dig in because I know about the tremendous growth um, and expansion, obviously in youth sports overall, but in the sports tourism piece of it. I'd love for you to just give us a little bit of backstory about you know your company and kind of what brought you to get in the space. Yeah, well, uh, you know, first of all, you're right. The the growth of this, I'll call it industry, is extraordinary. I mean, it's kids playing sports, right? So it's it's interesting to call it an industry. Um, but the way that it has um, consolidated and grown over the last two decades, really, is extraordinary. Uh, it's a fifty billion dollar, approaching a fifty billion dollar industry right now, um, and a lot of estimates have it doubling. You know, in the next five years, so. You know, a lot of kids are playing sports. You know, most of us did growing up as well. And uh, it's just accelerating, which I think is a great thing, uh, which leads to how we started our company. 
we believe very much in the impact that a healthy sports experience has in character development for kids, but also into adults. I mean, you look at the pickleball phenomenon right now and uh, just the healthy lifestyle, the ability to, to connect with other people. Um, you know, we're designed uh, to be in community with others and sport when done right is as good of connection uh, opportunity as, as any other. So, you know, we began in 2003, our company, the sports facilities companies, you fast forward to today, um, we've been in more than 2000 communities, helping them plan, develop and manage or operate um, their sports assets and sports facilities in order to accomplish whatever their goals may be. Um, you mentioned sports tourism, but just recreation play and a number of other um, you know, positive aspects uh, come out of, again, a healthy sports culture and, and environment within these communities. So, you know, we like to say that uh, we fill in the gaps for whatever communities need so that they can have success in that endeavor. Our mission is to improve the health and economic vitality of the communities we serve. We define health mentally, socially, spiritually, physically. You know, the flip side to that mission statement is that these places need to be sustainable financially. Um, doesn't mean that they have to operate at a profit. They can. Um, but each community has a different goal. And so we uh, pride ourselves, and I hope pride in a good way, of uh, filling in the gaps for whatever those communities need to, to, to go have success. I've seen those statistics. It's, it's staggering. And I, I like how you joked about because we're talking about kids sports and but it is turned into an industry. And, you know, what do you think is the main driver of it? all? You know, I'm located in Wilmington, North Carolina. So we're only about an hour plus uh, from Myrtle Beach. And I believe you operate a facility in Myrtle, which, you know, a ton of there's a there's a ton of activities and sports that go on on there. It's almost like at times, you know, families plan vacations to Disney or amusement parks. And part of me as a father of six, I'm like, sometimes it seems like you're planning family vacations around, you know, sports. Is that is that kind of how this whole thing, like what caused it all to kind of balloon to what you're saying could potentially be a hundred billion dollar industry uh, in, in, the, in the near future? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. We call it tournication, right? The vacation and the tournament, now they meld together. But there's so much benefit, right, out of participating and playing sports. It's such an important um, strain in our culture, right, the tapestry of our culture. And, uh, yeah, just a ton of kids are, are playing it right now um, and will continue to um, because of all the positive benefits. Uh, and, you know, so much on the professional side and the collegiate side. And, you know, when you look at the name, image, likeness, all of that's coming downstream right now. Um, good, bad, you know, there are pros and cons to both of it. Um, but all of that's coming downstream and impacting um, sports participation, which is just going through the roof. I mean, look, some sports are growing faster than others, but generally and overall, the sports participation is just continuing to increase. More kids are playing, more adults are playing as amateurs um, as well. And that's really where our company and organization uh, is focused. It's on the youth and amateur side of sports participation and trying to, um, you know, sports facilities facilitate that positive outcome, no matter the sport in the communities that we're in. And, uh, you know, to your point, whether it's Myrtle Beach, which is a strong tourism destination, or, you know, whether it's uh, Albertville, Alabama, right, which is a population 25,000 in Alabama, every community right now is looking at their park, recreation, and sports assets to determine how they can get the most out of those facilities to provide the best outcomes for their community.
And I know you mentioned the pros and cons. Do you feel like there's any concern? Do you have any concern with the professionalization of youth sports, you know, undermining the experience for families? I do. I do. And so much of this conversation is framed as an either or conversation. Like it's either good or it's bad. And you've got to set foot in one of those two camps. That is not um, where we are. It's not where I am personally. Um, We see it as a both and. Um, It's very positive in a number of ways. Um, Kind of this, um, I'll call it professionalization, use your word. Um, But I I would just say maturation of of youth sports. It's providing better competition. You know, kids are getting to play at whatever their potential is. Um, You know, I was a very average athlete growing up and my youngest brother played in the big leagues. He was the third draft pick overall. Right. We had a very wide disparity in our uh, ability level and talent. (laughs) But I got just as much out of my sports experience as he did. I'm sitting here today in large part because of the experience that I had both in a structured way and team play and then in an unstructured way playing in the backyard with my friends and my family and you know brothers and sister. Um, So that's what we need to continue to foster is for kids to get the most out of their experience in character development and in life on the field and off the field and that is the good and bad of it when the pendulum swings too far to the professionalization or the the formalization the rigor the structured play where there's all the good and the benefits that come come with that um, it means we leave the free play and the recreation behind and there are a ton of benefits there for each kid and those are the families that can afford to play one of the drawbacks is it's getting more expensive to play and that leaves a lot of families outside looking in there's a socioeconomic demographic in class um, that aren't getting the same sort of access to sport as what others are who can afford to play. And, you know, that's a problem that we need to solve within our culture and within our society. And it's certainly one that we're taking head on in the communities and facilities that we're blessed to work with. Like I mentioned, I have six kids. And so we're entrenched in in the sports community. I've coached for rec sports. And, you know, one thing that concerns me, or, and I'd love your take on it, you know, the growth in youth sports and the tourism and facilities piece of it, do you think that adds pressure on the kids because of the financial commitment of the parents like we're doing this so i need to see results like have you seen any impacts that are potentially impacting the kids in a negative way from a mental health standpoint for sure right and we're seeing you know kids that are burning out at a young age the kids that are fortunate enough and good enough to play at the college level they're burning out there and we're seeing even professional athletes right need to take mental health breaks um, as well. So definitely, that's absolutely the case. And, um, you know, there's some good organizations, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with, whether it's Positive Coaching Alliance, you know, FCA does a lot of good work in this way, too, that are trying to continue to educate the parents who mean well, they want the best for their kids, um, try to educate them on what is best for their kids. And it's not always this intense pressure um, and, and needing to play 24-7 and train 24-7. The kids that have a lot of success are playing multiple sports as long as they can. Um, The goal from our perspective is getting to age 12 with multiple sports. And then you can start to focus in on a couple, you know, that make the most sense. And that's what the data and the science is saying. It's not Jason Clement's opinion. These are the kids that are going to play high-level collegiate athletics, um, many of which are playing multiple sports. They're wrestling and playing football, right? They're playing baseball and basketball and other things. Um, not to mention, you know, I mentioned pickleball earlier. I've got three kids, similar age range as you, right? Eight, 10, and 11. And man, on Easter Sunday, 
they got some new pickleball stuff and we just went out and played as a family and it was the best day and you talk about physical literacy right if you're just out playing baseball 24 7 you're doing a disservice to these kids and their ability to move their body and work different muscles in different ways. And um, the blend of those things, I, I believe it's an education opportunity for parents. And then secondly, it's a courage thing for parents to say, no, I'm going to buck the trend. I'm not going to go do this one sport 24-7. I'm going to give my kids additional opportunities, even if that means I'm not keeping up with the Joneses at 8U baseball, right? 10U baseball. Um, and I'm going to give my kids a good wide range and um, variety of experiences. So if I'm not mistaken, Sports Facilities Company, you guys, congratulations, had a big partnership back in late 2022 with private equity firm. And, you know, that's not the first time I'm seeing. I have a, in my former career, I worked in finance. So from my experience, when you see private equity, you know, funding coming into any space, they're investing in it for the long term. They think there's going to be a return for shareholders. You know, they're trying to extract, you know, untapped value, right? How do you balance that from a company standpoint, from making sure that obviously you have return on shareholder value, your bottom line is hit while at the same time balancing, you know, we're talking about kids, we're talking about families and supporting communities. How do you balance the whole thing without letting like, the grill in the room of needing to make money for shareholders impact maybe the, the overall impact on the lives of the kids that are participating in these events and at these locations? Nick, it's a great question, and I, I appreciate it. You know, we grew this company, you know, again, beginning in 2003, out of cash flow. And uh, we grew it organically, no debt. So, you know, forgive me, and uh, I hope the listeners forgive me for getting into the business side of this a little no, bit. No, I think it's fascinating, uh, and people need to understand it. Yeah. And so as we grew, you know, again, out of cash flow organically, a few of us in a small, you know, little apartment building we called an office um, in, the, in the early 2000s uh, into what we were, you know, at the end of two, 2022, which was 1500 team members across the country in 20 different states managing these venues, you know, working with uh, strategically planning 80 different facilities at once, having 20 in design and construction, you know, on the boards, and then um, roughly 40 that we were managing, you know, around the country. Um, you know, we did it in a conservative, fiscally responsible way. And to your point, we recognized, uh, you know, probably three to five years ago, private equity was starting to flood into this space mm -hmm. and a consolidation was happening in a number of different ways. Um, and, and we recognized for us to serve these kids, serve these families and serve these communities and our clients, um, better and to serve more, it was time for us to go get additional capital so that we could partner strategically, we could merge, we could acquire, um, you know, some of these organizations, some of these tournaments and events, and some of these other um, services that we could bolt on to just facility management to create the best sport experience possible. So when we decided we wanted to go get additional capital to do those things, um, we had a decision. Do we want to go take on debt or do we want to go bring in a partner, you know, that can help help us do that? And so we chose to be a little bit debt averse and go bring in a partner. And so that's why we went out to attract private equity. And Nick, I'm telling you, um, because of, I think, the topic, because of the attractiveness of what was happening in this industry, 
um, we had a lot of interest uh, in our firm. And so we chose very carefully a partner that we weren't going to, you know, quote, sell out to, but someone who just wanted to invest in us and what we were doing and believed in our mission and our approach and just allowed us to simply serve more and serve better. So I think where it could have gone sideways is if we had chosen a partner that was about you know, growth and was about just, you know, putting the torch up the backside and saying, you know, we need to see numbers, we need to grow. Um, and, and certainly we want to build a good business and we are, um, and we're, we're scaling appropriately. But for us, it was about the partner that we brought in that believed in the impact. And as long as we serve really well, you know, and, and continue to do our thing, the financial results come. And as long as we're putting that customer and that client first, we say this all the time in the grand opening of a new facility. It's about that one face in the crowd. You remember the Sports Illustrated um, faces in the crowd, you know, back in the day um, in the magazine there. It's about that face in the crowd that is going to get to play and have access to this state-of-the-art facility and this best-in-class programming that otherwise wouldn't have access to it. And they're going to make, it's going to make an impact in their lives. Again, on the court or off the court, because physically active kids and again, it's the stats here. Um, they earn more later. They have better health care or, or health situation. They get better grades. And it's all because of the habits that are formed by a positive sport experience, right? So that's what we're about. And we found that we can balance both of those things and we can blend in well. And when we put that client first and we put those guests into the venues first and those families, the financial results come and it's done in a way that you're creating raving fans. When we come back, Jason and I discuss why the best businesses are able to balance mission and margin and his advice for parents looking to help their kids get the most out of youth sports. Heading into the break, I wanted to share an update with you from our friends at TeamSnap, who is having a busy summer with exciting announcement after exciting announcement. As you may recall, we had Peter Francillis, CEO of TeamSnap, on an earlier episode of this podcast. And one of the areas we covered was how he saw technology evolving within the youth sports industry. Last month, TeamSnap launched TeamSnap for Business, its next-generation platform and an all-in-one solution for sports organizations. Now, TeamSnap is thrilled to announce the upcoming launch of its brand-new registration system. One of the most configurable, cost-effective, and intelligent ways to register players and staff, TeamSnap registration was built on years of feedback from the TeamSnap community, which includes over 19,000 organizations and 25 million users. In celebration of this launch, TeamSnap is inviting you to a live webinar on Thursday, July 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. During the webinar, they will cover everything inside the brand new TeamSnap registration system, including some important new capabilities like multiple installment options, advanced logic, answer-dependent add-on fees, and an intuitive setup wizard. Using the new TeamSnap registration, you can effortlessly create forms, collect fees and documents, and manage your programs with ease, so you can keep your energy focused on the thing you love, amateur sports. Head to TeamSnap.com and sign up to save your spot for the webinar that will be held on July 27th. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Where we left off, Jason and I were about to talk about sports tourism and the financial strain that many families feel as a result of the increased costs of youth sports. We wrote a blog, Reform Sports Project, I wrote one um, a few weeks ago, talking about like, we're not going back to the good old days. You know, we're, we're just not. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, things aren't going backwards, right? I hear it all the time. I want it to go back to the 80s and 70s and 90s when, you know, kids gathered and the lots and played and, you know, just got together. I'm like, you know, that's great, but we're, we're not, that could still happen at times. You know, kids live in cul-de-sacs or gather at parks, but we're not going back to the 70s. We're not going back to the 80s and 90s. So I believe like you, there is room for a healthy balance. And that's kind of, you know, our mantra reform sports project. It's like, we want to help parents and people make the most informed decisions, right? I mean, listen, like you mentioned, the the multi-sport or whatever. I mean, there is a time and place where certain kids need to lock into a sport at a certain age. There's not a one-size-fits-all solution to anything. So I'm a firm believer that as consolidation and as this, this space continues to evolve, there's going to be a healthy balance. And the best of breed, you know, companies and such are going to be the ones that are standing at the end of the line that are helping facilitate this ever-growing um, sector and, quite frankly, impacting the most lives. So you, you mentioned the difference in the costs. Obviously, it's, it's, you know, there are people that are, you know, held out because they can't afford youth sports. So like when, when hosting varying travel tournaments and events, mm-hmm. how much control do you, not you personally, but your company, have in terms of pricing for fans, family, who've paid money for not only their kids to participate in the sport, but also the travel expenses surrounding, you know, food, lodging, tickets to watch their own kids compete? Because I hear it all the time. Like, I signed my kid up for the team, you know, then we got to travel, then we got this, and I got to pay to park. Then how much does your company even have in determining that? Yeah, we have some. We have some for sure. Um, so, you know, we we work with um, the right folder, the tournament provider, and we pick and choose, you know, what tournaments come in and play on what weeks and weekends. And um, those tournaments that don't deliver on the experience, that don't, you know, deliver on the impact, that um, don't align with us from a values perspective aren't tournaments that we, you know, put in place, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and so there's that side of it. And then the other side of it on the financial piece, we believe so much that there is a certain percentage that are getting left behind. Um, we, we, we started our own not-for-profit called, you know, the SF Access Program, Sports Facilities Access Program. And what we do is essentially scholarship or sponsor um, kids and communities that can't afford to play on that, you know, travel ball. Look, the, the good ones, the best players, they – they find a way to make the team, whether they can afford it or not, right? 100%. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get on the team. The kids that can't afford to play but could very much benefit from a sports experience, those are the kids we're trying to find. And so, you know, we kind of have a saying in the communities we're in and where we've implemented, you know, the SF Access Program, if you qualify for free and reduced lunch, you should qualify for some form of free and reduced play. 
And that's what we're trying to put in place in that way. So, um, yeah, we've got some control. We're, we're doing the things that we can. Um, we're also part of a consortium um, with the, the Aspen Project Play, Aspen Institute Project Play. Um, these are big brands. These are ESPN, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, uh, NFL is part of that, NBC, um, you know, NBC Sports and Amazon and others that have come together to say, hey, we're going to put our organizational um, priorities aside here and we're going to try to solve this problem, right? the access to play problem. And we're all going to bring our best solutions to the table. And in some ways, maybe we've got to compromise and sacrifice some of our organizational, um, you know, goals and objectives there. But this is a, this is a problem we need to solve, you know, industry-wide. So um, that's happening as well. And we're, we're part of that. We represent the youth and amateur space and, and those conversations. And there's been some really good work, thought leadership um, coming out of that, certainly to turn the tide. You know, Kobe, before he passed away, was very involved. Kobe Bryant um, in that. It was a spokesperson for it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's getting talked about more so that in, in on podcasts like this, I mean, I love what you guys are doing so that it becomes more mainstream and that parents and community leaders can become aware of this because ultimately that's how it's getting solved, you know, on the ground. I think that, you know, and I had Tom Ferry, you know, from Project Play, yeah. the Aspen Institute on, I'm very familiar with him, John Solomon, their work. Um, yep. So I applaud you for being involved. You know, and, and one thing I know for us at Reform Sports Project, we're very much entrenched on trying to influence everything from a grassroots level um, and trying to impact the local organizations. And, you know, the economic benefit is often discussed, you know, with the state of the art facilities in terms of tourism dollars being brought into the area. But how do you approach that in such a way that it benefits the local residents? You know, like what types of initiatives, offerings do you provide the surrounding community, for instance? Yeah, well, look, uh, I could point out to dozens of examples in the communities that we've been in where businesses have flourished. Uh, you know, I mentioned Alberville, Alabama earlier. Sure. Um, they had zero hotels in their community. Um, opened this complex two years ago. The third one is on the books, are on the boards right now for, for being developed. Um, you can imagine the economic growth that's happening in that community as a result of the sports tourism that, that's coming there. And then it provides an opportunity for enhanced weekday programming for the constituents in the community there as well. Same things are happening in, you know, Hoover and Panama City Beach and Myrtle Beach that you mentioned, Branson, Missouri, um, and all types of different locations, um, you know, Bedford Park, Illinois. Um, so, Residents are getting the benefit of, um, you know, the economic climate, you know, optic being raised um, as a result of this, and they're getting enhanced programming, um, and um, the tax base is increasing as well for for those local communities. So it really is a boom um, to to the communities. And I again, I don't know of one community in the country, at least that we're talking to, and we've worked with you know over two thousand of them that aren't talking about how can we maximize the assets that we already have to take advantage of this opportunity and serve our community really well. And then how can we supplement those, right, with with additional um, assets and facilities? And, you know, that means something different for each community and what their capabilities are. But they're all talking about it, um, you know, proactively. So you mentioned you're involved in trying to help and give back to the community. So, like, how do you, sports facilities companies, give back to youth sports, you know, both the short and you know, for the long term going forward? Yeah, well, we're investing, uh, first of all, financially, we're investing real dollars in um, sponsoring and scholarshiping kids. As I mentioned earlier, they can't afford to play, you know, within these communities. Um, that's one. Secondly, 
we're investing in partnerships within the industry. Uh, I read a book uh, recently that we've gone from a production economy right to a consumer economy. We've gone from a consumer economy to a create economy uh, recently. And the new economy that's coming now is a collaboration economy. So we're collaborating with the best in class leagues, camps, clinics, tournament organizers and providers around the country. We don't have to own them, but we want to find the best that have shared values that are trying to solve this, this challenge and this problem that you're talking about. Those are the organizations we want to place into the communities. We want to help scale them and expand them because they're doing it right and they've got the right heart and they can balance that mission and margin, right? And and the best organizations can do that. So we use collaboration as our strategy. So we're trying to bring the best in class together and help scale that footprint um, really across the country. And it's a heck of a lot of fun doing it as well, Nick. So, I mean, this is what it's about. I mean, my kids are playing, right? I'm traveling around with my kids. I'm playing in the local rec leagues as well. We're doing sports tourism. Um, and so I, you know, get to see firsthand what works and what doesn't. And um, in addition to, you know, what's happening around the country uh, in the 50 million visits that we have inside these facilities. Well, Jason, a lot of parents, a lot of coaches, they're going to listen to this and they're kind of They're trying to navigate it. And I know you've touched on quite a bit of what you do. What are ways for those parents out there who are looking at youth sports like, man, this is, I can't keep up. You know, this is tough. Like, how do I navigate this? Like, as someone who's, you know, really in the trenches, who's helping cultivate the future of youth sports and and the way it's going to go and their kids are going to participate, what would be some advice you'd give to parents particularly on how they can kind of stay the course and help navigate it, you know, and also make the most informed decisions to help them on their path? Yeah, well, I think the, the baseline is, begin with the end in mind, right? What do you want for your kids? And I'm not talking next year, five years, 10 years. You know, what do you want for, for your kids 30, 40, 50 years? In terms of a legacy, what are you leaving for them? And it's not going to be that they're the next professional athlete, right? Uh, very, very few get to play at that level. And very, very few frankly, are even remembered, uh, you know, uh, in terms of breaking records and those sorts of things. It's the impact that they're going to make. You want them to be, you know, positive contributors to our community and to our society as, as a whole. Well, sport is a great way to build those fundamental foundational um, building blocks for character development. And, and so start there. Okay, now what decisions can I make and what benefits to, to get there? Um, and I mean, there's a decision every season, right? Well, do I put my kid on that travel team or that travel team? Do I skip out to go to the next big thing or the others? And I was on a flight um, three weeks ago and I happened to sit by a division one baseball coach who was recruiting, he's on a recruiting trip. And he said, hey, just because you are talent adjacent, Meaning just because you're on the good team doesn't mean you're talented, right? When we go watch kids, we're going to watch that kid. We're not watching others. We're at a place in time now where there, there aren't diamonds in the rough. If your kid's good, they're going to get seen. I mean, they just, they will. It doesn't matter what team they're on. They're, they're going to get seen. So I would say teach those kids. That's what I'm trying to do to the best of my ability. I don't, I don't always get it right with my own. But teach them and demonstrate for them in the game and in the decisions that are being made about respect and about how you treat other people and the character development um, that goes along with that. And that will govern the decision-making. And then from there, yeah, help them get to their potential, right, um, athletically. And there are a number of different ways um, uh, to, you know, to do that. But first and foremost, it's about making decisions and demonstrating a decision pattern, both on the field and off, that allows them to make that impact in life 
30, 40, 50 years from now. Um, and it, it's all about how you treat people. So that's what we're trying to do as an organization. That's Those are the events we're trying to plug into the communities. Those are the partnerships we're trying to build. And when you do all of those things and serve people well, serve the guests, serve the family well, you know, the business side, all the other positive outcomes will come out of it. So I hope there's something in there in that rambling response <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. Um, but man, it's so easy in this divisive, you know, culture and climate that we're in right now um, to find things to argue about. Youth sports shouldn't be one of them. They really shouldn't. Um, This should be something we can all rally around together, you know, in a quote bipartisan way to figure it out for the kids and for their benefit and so that they can have fun and they can grow up with the confidence that they deserve to grow up with and then ultimately make a positive impact for our country and our communities. Jason Clement, I love it. I love it. I can't thank you enough for coming on, sharing sports facilities, companies. Uh, appreciate you, man. Where can people connect with you and learn more? Yeah, you can go to our website, sportsfacilities.com. Um, there's another website, the sfnetwork.com, to see the facilities that we're with. And uh, anybody can reach out to me at any time. Uh, we love what we do. We're passionate about it. And, man, it's really great to spend time with you. Nick, thanks for making a difference and an impact in this culture and in this community. It matters. And the more of us that come together here for the greater good for the kids and families, uh, it's just going to continue to turn the tide. I mean, the best is yet to come for sure in our space because of people like you and your leadership. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. That's Jason Clement, co-founder and CEO of Sports Facilities Companies. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.